I'm calling the meeting to order. If we could all uh, stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Mr. Mendoza, can you please uh, conduct the roll call? Absolutely. Commissioner Furia? Here. Commissioner Filibosian? Here. Commissioner Replico Purinton? Here. Commissioner Williams? Here. Vice Chair Walton? Here. Chair Jenkins? Here. And then Commissioner Hugh is absent for today's meeting. Okay. Uh, this is a time for the public forum. Um, and that's for any members of the public uh, wishing to speak on any item that's not on the agenda. Mr. Mendoza, do we have any member of the public wishing to speak to the Parks and Recreation Commission? We do, Chair. We have one member of the public, Mr. Graves. Mr. Graves, you can make your way up to the podium uh, and you may begin speaking when you are ready. You will have three minutes to speak to the Commission. Or, uh, do I get three minutes when it starts? Okay, here we go. Okay, so my question is, how did this come to be that almost any time I want to enjoy the space and solitude of my backyard, I have to listen to the loud, non-rhythmical popping sound of pickleball being played at the Evergreen Park tennis courts? How did some of the people in this room decide it was in the best interest of the people in the neighborhood to plant this game in an otherwise calm and peaceful environment. At first, the noise was bearable, only noticeable a few days a week, and players were not nearly as abundant as they seem to be now. Now it's full scale with about 95% of the participants just driving up, opening up the big metal box mounted courtside, and unraveling a net, all provided by the city, placing the net across the painted lines, another city item, of the tennis court boundary lines, which by the way, when I bought my house, were tennis courts. Also, when you enter the courts, they have sets of rules, and rule number one clearly says, tennis use only. So how did this change from tennis to repurposing the pickleball pickle courts happen, and who decided to make the changes? Another issue that needs looking into, and I've looked online extensively, not been able to find any environmental reports. I've summoned the clerk and asked for reports of a council's decision, and apparently that doesn't exist. <clears throat> Any attempt, any attempt at all by the city to reach out to the neighborhood and ask the opinions to the changes that were made in favor of letting this sport to continue and continue it has basically 365 days a year. I can go outside and I can open the window and I can hear the pop, pop, pop of people thwacking off with each other down at the park. This whole experience has triggered every emotion besides happiness and I often find myself driving over to a friend's house or my dad's where these noises don't exist. Another thing that needs mentioning that my father and I were able to schedule a meeting with Ms. Plummer and Mr. Valdez and sit down to discuss some of these issues. Ms. Plummer said there have been noise complaints and she was work, pardon me here. Well, anyhow, she was working on a solution, but um, so far nothing was available or the cost was too high and the technology wasn't quite there to block out the noise. Gosh, I had some, something here. Well, lost a note, but anyhow, as it is, I just feel that we haven't been represented. This just got pushed forward and now we're dealing with it. People are playing all the time. There's no, no coming and going, people think they're actually like, you know, it's a public place, sure you can do these things, but like at the expense of my, my sanity basically, my family's sanity, it's just not fair to us to have to be listening to this every day of the week. And so I think this noise needs to be looked into and be abated. Well, thank you for your comments. Yeah, I apologize that I've talked to you before, but yeah, I'm gonna be here until something changes, so I, this needs to happen. Thank you for expressing your, Thank your you. comments. Yeah. I, I appreciate your time. Have a good evening. You too.
Moving to the next item on the agenda, uh, it's any amendments or adjustments to the agenda. Ms. Plummer, are there any members, any amendments or adjustments to the agenda? Thank you, Chair Jenkins. There are no amendments or adjustments to tonight's agenda. I was just going to add, uh, just for the record, that today is the uh, meeting of Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, so we can have it as part of the minutes. Um, I, I don't think we said that the, at the outset, so just to clarify the record. I don't know if I understood what you just said. I uh, just said the date, so when oh. it goes back to look at it, people oh, will okay. know what, what date you. it was. I understand. Okay. Okay. Um, we're at the consent calendar. Um, Are there any members of the public who wish to speak to any item that's on the consent calendar? Chair Jenkins, uh, if it's okay with you, I can actually read the consent calendar into the record okay. uh, to start. So item A1, that is going to be the approval of the November 8th, 2023 Parks and Recreation Commission meeting minutes. Uh, item A2, Parks and Recreation Manager Project and Program Updates. And item A3, the director's report. Thank and you, Mr. Mendoza. Do we have any members of the public that would like to speak to any items on the consent calendar? If there are any members of the public wishing to speak on this, on this item, please use the raise hand icon and I can call on you shortly. Chair, there are currently no hands raised. Would any commissioner like to pull any item on the consent calendar? Would any commissioner like to make a motion on the consent calendar? Please. Mr. Chairman, I move that the commission accept the consent calendar as presented. A second. Okay. Um, Mr. Mendoza, can we conduct a vote for the consent calendar? Of course, Chair, and I would like to remind everybody to please lock in their votes on the little screen. Uh, Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Filibosian? Yes. Commissioner Replicable Purinton? Yes. Commissioner Williams? Yes. Vice Chair Walton? Yes. Chair Jenkins? Yes. Okay. And Chair Jenkins, could you lock your vote on your screen? It says yes. Yep. Did you hit the little button that says lock on the corner? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, there we go. And the motion passes. Okay. Thank you. Presentations. Ms. Plummer, could you please introduce the next item? Yes, thank you, Chair Jenkins. Members of the commission tonight, uh, we are here in the beginning of 2024, but um, as we changed our meeting months that we meet, we were not able to have a year in review back at the end of 2023. So at the um, request of our chair and our vice chair, um, we are having our 2023 year in review of all the things that we were able to accomplish, highlighting, uh, we didn't take a deep dive into it, but uh, throughout, if we have questions, both myself and Mr. Thompson will be presenting information. Um, so let me just go ahead and share my screen if I can find that button. Thank you for your patience due to my lack of technology here. Uh, 2023 year in review for our Parks and Recreation Commission on all the fun things we've been doing this year in Parks and Recreation as well as in the Parks and Open Space Divisions. So the first thing we kicked off the new year last year this time we were sitting here with members of the public talking about the Stowe Grove Park Master Plan. As you're aware, it went uh, in this spring to the city council. They supported our efforts. Uh, they supported the plan in concept and they provided direction for staff to move forward with the environmental documents. 
We were able to complete those environmental documents in August for public review. They were out till the end of August. And then last month, I believe it was, was it last month? Uh, we took the final, oh, it was, it was a big day. We took the uh, final Stowe Grove Park master plan as well as um, the environmental documents associated with the plan to council and it was approved. So huge efforts on behalf of the commission and staff to get this through the process. Our next steps are releasing, we're working on the draft right now to release a request for proposals for, for oh, That'll be our next item that we'll be bringing forward um, is our, we won't be bringing that to the commission. We'll be releasing that so that we can do our, our um, construction documents. And we'll also be talking further in the next item on our agenda about that. Uh, the other big effort that was, um, took a lot of staff time and the, the Parks and Recreation Commission was aware of was the Community Center Strategic Plan. So that event last year kicked off in um, October and was completed by April. And that has really given the staff the marching orders for what to do as we took over the community center last January 1st. So um, we'll be talking a little bit more about the, that project and how we're kicking all that stuff off. It's very exciting. Um, the Armidos Park Community Garden went into construction. We've been talking about this for quite some time. We are in construction. We are nearing completion, knock on some wood. Um, and there's a few um, key elements that are held up as materials. And I was out there today uh, with Mr. Valdez, and um, it looks like a beautiful community garden. So as soon as those final materials come through, it will, it will be tied up, and we will have one great big celebration. Uh, the splash pad at Johnny D. Wallace Park, um, as you're aware, went back, went into construction, was awarded in March of this year, but um, due to a delay in the building, um, it actually got postponed. They restarted the project in November of this year, and we are expecting that building to show up in the next couple weeks. So a uh, very exciting time. The contractor's working hard to get this project complete and we're working very closely with our parks and open space division who handles all of our park maintenance on the maintenance of that um, for the splash pad maintenance. So uh, lots of exciting activity in that area. Currently, there is only one section of the park closed off, but starting in two weeks, we'll be having to shut down um, the entire southern section except the skate park. And then um, on the day of the delivery, the entire park will be closed down for the safety of all patrons. And then we will just be having the field available to the public, the field in the skate park, um, until we are ready to put the shade structures up over the picnic areas on the field. Um, so some phased shutdown, but we don't really want to shut down the field until we can at least open Matilda Park because it has a beautiful playground. Um, the playground equipment has been purchased for Matilda Park. We'll be releasing the, that information for, um, for construction bids uh, later this month. And the community center seismic construction project was completed. Um, we are we're out there today. There's like two or three tiny punch list items, and the fence should be coming down um, either at the end of this week or the first part of next. Um, just because the fence comes down, we still have a lot to do on the inside before we're ready for the public. So the, as the contractor moves out, staff will be moving in to handle um, some other things that, that we have on our bucket list. Um, so just because the fence is down, We'll be having some soft openings, but we will announce to you as soon as we have a firm uh, hard opening. And then I'll defer to Mr. Thompson. Great. Thank you, Ms. Plummer. I'm George Thompson, the Parks and Open Space Manager. Good evening, Chair and Commissioners. 2022-23 uh, storm damage. We had some major storm events. I'm sure all of you recall uh, it generated a lot of rain, which was great, but also a lot of damage to city facilities, open spaces, and in particular for us, our urban forest. And so we spent over half a million dollars addressing storm damage just on the trees and then about a dozen separate uh, unanticipated projects for the Public Works Department. <clears throat> um, our staff stepped up. Um, we accomplished a lot within a short season uh, post-storm event. And um, the good thing about the storm damage is that it did prepare us for work to come at the Galita Butterfly Grove at Elwood Mesa. Um, we got our Grove Development Plan approved by City Council. 
And just to remind uh, the commission, the development plan includes all of the restoration work, uh, civil improvements, roadway, trail improvements. Mr. Uh, Thompson, um, I've just been informed that we need to take a technical a technical situation break for about Perfect. three minutes. Um, okay. So, Chair, if you'll go ahead and recess us for about three minutes. And how do I formally do that? <laughs> <laughs> just say you would like to recess this meeting for about minutes I'd like to recess this Commission meeting for three minutes thank you mr. Thompson can you continue with your report thank you chair um, this past December we had a major milestone met with the city of Santa Barbara's, or sorry, the city of Goleta's um, Butterfly Grove development plan approval. And just to remind the commission, this is the culmination of countless hours of public community engagement events, input from the commission, input from city council members, um, technical experts, about a year and a half of research um, to basically outline what the city can do to help improve Elwood Mesa's Butterfly Grove, both on the habitat side, but also a lot of public um, access issues and um, education opportunities. So um, back in October, City Council approved the development plan, uh, and now city staff has submitted the uh, coastal development permit application, and that sets us up for construction and uh, acres of habitat restoration and this calendar year, a uh, major milestone. So just anticipate that in the coming months, we'll be hosting community weeding days, community planting days, um, and you'll begin to see the transformation of the butterfly grow back to its former glory. Um, in a similar vein, we also uh, met a major milestone with the Elwood Neighborhood's Hazardous Fuels Reduction Project, and this is the project that's associated with the Butterfly Grove but has benefits uh, for the adjacent neighborhood in reducing fire risk. And so it was actually up in Santa Cruz last month for the Coastal Commission meeting. They approved our coastal development permit for 78 acres of fuels reduction and fuels in this case is mostly dead eucalyptus that died mm. during the drought. Um, and so this permit is uh, the first major step to starting work out there to reduce that fuel load. Of course, that's gonna have benefits for public safety, for recreational users, benefits to the monarch butterfly, and then we cannot, of course, forget benefits to the adjacent neighborhoods. There's about 2,500 homes um, that would potentially be affected if there was a catastrophic wildfire there. Um, again, to give the uh, commission a heads up, anticipate that in March, April, we'll begin to see major work there. Once the butterflies have left, we'll have upwards of 30 to 60 uh, contractors working in the grove, um, plus teams of biologists doing monitoring to make sure that we're not impacting nesting birds and other sensitive resources. So. Um, city staff are busy uh, finalizing our communications plan, making sure all the neighbors know when stuff is happening, and of course all of our uh, recreational users as well. So really just a, a major uh, milestone met for Elwood. <clears throat> and then uh, a really fun event that we hosted this year, I know uh, quite a few of the commissioners attended. We had the Stowe Grove tree planting community event and are looking forward to many more of these in the, in the coming months and years. Uh, that event was great in that it was really the, the first time that uh, the division has hosted a large scale tree planting. Uh, we planted 100 trees and happy to report we have 100% survival, not just survival, but uh, thriving. We've seen a lot of new growth on those, on those trees and they're really looking great. Next slide, please. I'll turn it back to Ms. Plummer for this next one. Okay, so Mr. Thompson and I are gonna tag team, and so we'll, you'll hear each, our, each of our voices as our uh, area comes up. So um, some of our program highlights over the past year, a big one that I'm extremely thankful for is uh, we were able to take our Parks and Recreation Management Assistant position from a part-time to a full-time position. 
Um, so this was extremely exciting. It was actually um, approved at the end of 2022, um, but because we were short in our office with staff, we had to go through a recruitment process uh, to fill the position that Mr. Mendoza Diaz had before, and then he was able to come back to us this summer. And uh, you haven't been able to get the smile off my face. <laughs> And then um, going back to the Parks and Open Space Division, we had a huge influx of new hires, um, which really backfilled uh, either vacant positions or newly established positions. And they run the gamut from uh, our new uh, Parks and Open Space Maintenance Supervisor, Andrew Rex, who oversees our daily operations out in uh, our parks. Um, previously, I was doing that as well as um, program management and, and capital project management. So it's been a huge relief um, for me and for the division and the city as a whole. It means that we're now visually seeing a much higher level of park uh, uh, maintenance in everything from our turf fields, recreational amenities, and then really gearing up for the new facilities that are coming along that uh, Ms. Plummer is delivering to the city, including the splash pad, uh, new playgrounds. And so we now have the staffing in place to ensure that those facilities are, are main, managed and maintained well. We also have a, a new management analyst in the division. Uh, her name is Mackenzie Christie. Um, she's been great so far and um, trying not to overload her with too many projects, but um, the management analyst position is key for the division in that it's a professional staff that's able to do project management. And so when we look at projects like Elwood Mesa, um, we have several vertical beach access um, improvements that are gonna be coming online next year. We have improvements to the urban forest. Um, these are projects that uh, Mackenzie Christie is going to be able to assist or in some cases take the lead and we'll be seeing the fruits of those labors uh, in the coming year. We also have two new maintenance workers um, that are key to improving our, our facilities and offerings in our parks uh, space. So we have uh, Cesar Rios that was hired this year. I'm really fortunate to, to have him come on board. And then next Tuesday, we have a new hire starting as well. So I know that's not 2023, but uh, his hiring process started last last year. Um, so very fortunate to have those new team members join our, our group. And then as the commission's aware, um, the city of Goleta assumed management of the Goleta Community Center on January 1st of 2023. And we were able to access the facility for a few months prior to the construction beginning. And then at the end of January, or maybe the first part of February, uh, we hosted our very first senior expo, which was a huge success, and we are really excited. We're actually planning one uh, for this spring, so I'm um, real excited about that, and um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, in addition, the commission did the review and provided um, recommendations for the city grant application funding. That was a first for our commission this year, and it was. Um, I appreciate all the effort and energy that the commission put into that process as we were moving forward. <clears throat> and then the commission also reviewed the need for a reservation process for recreation amenities and park spaces and supported that uh, recommendation. It, that item did go to city council. Council did support that. The one area that we need to come back to the commission on, which we said when we brought it to you the first time, which is scheduled for March of this year, is exactly what that reservation process would look like for fields. Um, we wanted to make sure both the commission and the council echoed that there's um, equity for our residents that just want to drop in as well as as for those residents that want to reserve the space. So making sure that, sure that that's a fair um, process. And then, um, so that'll be coming back to you in March, so get ready for that. And then the Goleta Community Center Garden Policies and Procedures, we fine-tuned those in 2023 and took them to council and they adopted them. Um, we have had those um, policies and procedures translated into Spanish, and we are planning on releasing that information to the public this month and opening up that application process for the very first um, community garden plots. 
Um, as well, along with the community garden, I wanted to share uh, that we are working very closely and we have an MOU actually in review with legal right now uh, to work with the master gardeners from UCSB to host uh, workshops and clinics um, that are garden related at the garden. And we're um, evaluating the idea of having a demonstration plot there as well so that they could teach hands on. And then a few other program highlights. Um, there were so many we couldn't fit them on one slide. Um, July is our, our National Parks and Recreation Month. And again, once again, we filled it full of free workshops and clinics. That effort was led by Mr. Mendoza Diaz. Um, so if you do have ideas or suggestions for this July, because we'll be celebrating again, uh, please share those uh, with myself or Mr. Mendoza Diaz. Um, the Food Bank of Santa Barbara County and other services for seniors were held at the community center. The Food Bank is a really big one, especially for our senior population, because a few years ago, um, it was during COVID that it went away, the nutrition program, the senior nutrition program throughout our county um, dissolved. And there was talk of a few other organizations bringing that back up. And what that is is a, um, a federally supported nutrition program for seniors and it is there's a very low to no fee and it's based on income and a lot of seniors really need that not just for the nutrition element but also for the social element um, so that program has totally gone away um, so did the brown bag program as well um, especially from that center so we were able to work with the food bank to bring in that program a, a um, grocery program for the seniors and they come every other month and they, or I'm sorry, every other week, twice a month. And then we also were able to incorporate another day for the residents that the food bank comes. And I believe that's every other, every other Saturday um, at the community center as well in the back parking lot. So uh, real exciting. We have offered a minor menu of offerings for the seniors, a lot of opportunity for social and gathering. We offer pickleball, we offer chair yoga, line dancing, we had the senior band and the gazebo playing every Thursday. So we're excited to be in the building, uh, especially because the weather's warmer uh, inside than it is outside some of these days and really um, pump up that program in the, in the coming months. Um, the Little Lending Library in Berkeley Park, the commission approved last year. And I'm happy to report that um, by this weekend, you should see that completely installed. The post has been installed, and we're, um, they're coming back, I believe, tomorrow to do the rest of the installation. Um, Mr. Mendoza-Diaz is out on site um, being present during that, that process to make sure that everything goes according to plan. Um, the policies and procedures for the Goleta Community Center has, have come, as well as the rental process, has come before the commission. With your input and comments, we were able to take that to the city council in December, and that was as well approved. Uh, we are getting ready to release all that information, get it all posted up on our website now, and we're working. Um, the translation has been complete, and we're reviewing that translation now. And then the recreation facility booking software vendor we are in contract with, and now our, we actually have our kickoff meeting with the vendor tomorrow where we're going to be able to get all of our, what they're going to do, what we're going to do, and we can get started setting up our system. So we're hoping that by this summer when people want to book a park, they can just do it themselves online. Um, and this was a huge undertaking started in July. It only took 24 years for us to join the 21st century on it takes the time it takes. Right? That's right. <laughs> um, but we're also hoping that this uh, software will help not just with our picnic rentals, with the other rentals we want to do in our parks, our facility rentals at the community center. Um, we can track our volunteer service hours. Um, we can track our adopt track our adopt a park volunteers. Um, and uh, it just has the ability to do so much more, track our seniors in the programs. Um, so we're very, very excited about that. And then the many Stowe Grove Park community workshops for the master plan, I think in 2023 was our last one, last January, um, but that was just a huge, uh, just a huge undertaking and I really appreciate the commission's support uh, for the project in general as well as your support coming out to those meetings. Mr. Thompson? Yeah, did, did want to mention um, a lot of the work that has been happening behind the scenes as it relates to homelessness and encampments, we see um, really the, the visual impact and the, the human impact uh, in our open spaces and parks and public right-of-ways. And so I just want to highlight the work that we've been doing this past year. It's been a, a multi-agency effort, um, and the great thing about it, uh, 
Mr. Valdez and I are in Monday morning meetings with the team, um, the level of commitment and care that is shown, um, I think, needs to be highlighted and, and celebrated. Um, the work's not done, of course. It's ongoing, but just wanted to make sure that the commission is aware that this is a, a big effort for the city. Yeah, and I would just add, it's you know, the, the city historically and continues to do so is very human-centric in this topic. It's easy to see uh, something and say, oh, that's trash, or this is, you know, what a mess. And, you know, oftentimes people don't understand that that's, you know, someone's life right there, you know, in, in very plain terms. And so... Uh, it's important for us to to be delicate and you know sensitive, but also you know make sure we're keeping the community safe. Um, so there's a lot of kind of nuance that goes into it, and I just wanted to you know recognize George and his team for being so responsive, and our you know folks at the sheriff's office, the county, um, and then even our outreach workers. It really takes a lot of time and energy. Uh, to work with a population that sometimes doesn't want to be worked with or doesn't understand or um, any number of things. And so uh, I also wanted to say I'm grateful to our residents in Goleta for letting us know when things uh, are challenging. And then also, I think, just being, you know, somewhat humanistic and sympathetic and saying, like, you know, maybe it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to see, but this is a person. And so um, I just I'm always um I'm always appreciative of the compassion that so many people show. So I thought I would just say it now. And then we listed the City Grant Award discussion on our um, Community Impact Discussion page as well because um, it is a big deal. Uh, the process actually for 2023 started in December of 2022 with the application process. So with all of those different organizations looking at our application, applying, um, information coming to the commission and then you sharing your thoughts uh, with our staff that then took the information back to the committee who then took it to council and multiple times it was stated this was discussed in length at the Parks and Recreation Commission meeting. So it's, it's an important process for many of our organizations in the community and so I just, it felt um, obvious to make sure we mention again on the community impact discussions. And on that too, just uh, timing wise, actually yesterday we had a uh, workshop meeting here where we had over, we had about 40 people show up. Um, not necessarily all of them will be related to parks and recreation, but still um, that application deadline, I believe is January 26th. Um, and just a reminder for any of those nonprofits watching to remember to do that, but it's actually fitting that we're talking about this today uh, because the parks and rec commission did serve you know, a, a very important role in that for funding um, our nonprofits. And so that will be coming before you again uh, later this year. And then circling back to the Butterfly Grove, we're at the cusp of implementation and it's been literally decades to get here. And I just wanted to highlight um, the work that the commission has done over the years to provide input to city council and staff and really highlight that Although we're going into construction and implementation, the community discussion portion is not over. We'll continue to host engagement items. We'll continue to come back to the commission um, with uh, opportunities for input. And then I'll work with Ms. Plummer uh, this calendar year to see if there are opportunities to host a site visit, open house, um, to get some of the commissioners out there in person to see the work behind the scenes. So I appreciate um, all of your input to date. And then as we look towards 2024, um, if you recall last year's year at a glance, some of the same projects are up there. Um, and we did get into construction with some of these. We just didn't quite complete them. Um, so in 2024, you would have completed your the city's first community garden you would have completed the city's first splash pad. And Matilda Park is gonna be completed. Uh, we um, are going out to bid this month for that project. We've been able to tighten up some of our loose ends on that, so we're really excited about that and getting a new playground out to those residents. Um, Mr. Thompson will talk about goal four. Yep, just circling back to Galita Butterfly Grove. Uh, cannot understate how large of a project this is. And um, while it's we don't have yet 
the project in the ground, there's a lot of cause for celebration. And um, goal number four there really represents decades of work. Um, over the coming months, we will be um, showcasing some behind the scenes work. Like we've got uh, over a thousand trees being grown by students at Cal Poly. So we'll be rolling out some social media and multimedia um, exposés on that. Um, so just can't tell, very excited about uh, the calendar year and, and what it's going to bring for that project and that important habitat. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about that is with Elwood, um, it is the most well-known monarch butterfly site for the city, but all the work that we're doing there informs the half dozen other sites that we have that host winter uh, overwintering monarchs, including Lake Los Carneros, where we had uh, monarchs mm. returning in decent numbers um, this winter. Um, so everything that we're learning at Elwood, we're going to roll that out to our other sites uh, over the coming years. And I also wanted to uh, share with the commission um, that because the butterflies have been so cooperative this year <laughs> and uh, chose to come back in such great volumes, we've had a lot of public interest out at the Grove. And although we're not doing docent-led tours or field trips this year, um, Mr. Mendoza-Diaz is in charge of that program area, and he will be taking on the docent program, uh, recruiting new docents in the coming months for the 2024-2025 season. In addition, we um, have met with our current docents that we had on the books that haven't been out there for a couple years, and he does have a schedule that is um, available online where if you wanted to be come go to the Grove and talk with a docent, there are times that we do have docents that are very knowledgeable about our beautiful monarchs in the Grove. So um, we weren't planning on that this year, but um, as you know, things change. So as the butterflies said, hey, we're here, and our audiences flooded to go see them, uh, the need was, was raised that we needed to have some educators out there. And, you know, we, we are very fortunate to have some amazing docents that are on our team because they were already going out there and helping people. So um, so just to let you know, that's coming, and uh, we're keeping with our current docents now, and we're going to start that recruitment process um, after the official butterfly season is over. And then the goal number five, Stowe Grove Park. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about the master plan. That master plan helped us to do quite a few things. Um, it did help us to become eligible to apply for a grant. Um, unfortunately, we did receive notification in December that we're no longer being considered for the grant. Um, we knew it was a, a stretch for us to, um, to continue on in the competitive process of the grant um, because of the economic factors related in the um, neighboring areas, as well as our um, opportunities that we have with our parks and open spaces here in Goleta. We, we have quite a few, and uh, we're very um, fortunate to have those, but that hinders us in the um, these grants opportunities, um, as well as there was a couple other factors. So where we were really strong in a couple things, we're really low in some very important things. So uh, we're continuing to look at other grants and see where we can uh, do things with an adoptive um, environmental impact report as well as um, an adopted master plan and it does open some doors for us we did receive the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's coming from the state of california and there will be a check presentation uh, for that coming so you'll be seeing some information about that um, and we're real excited so one of the first things as i stated in my staff report on your consent calendar that we have to do as we get our construction document vendor on board is to rephase the project because there is a funding timeline with that $750,000. So we have to do the playground um, in one of the first phases. And if you recall from all those discussions, the parking lot currently drains to the playground. So we have to do the parking lot as well. So we have to do the boring things first and then also that uh, playground. And then we'll, so we'll see how that all all pans out, but um, lots of exciting things happening. And this isn't just our to-do list. So as you're well aware, we have a plethora of other things that are happening. This is just the things that are going to be checked off our list as big accomplishments in 2024. And if I could, I just wanted to commend Ms. Plummer and Mr. Uh, Diaz on all the work they've done, as well as Mr. Uh, Thompson. Just they don't toot their horn very often, and so uh, I'm happy to do it. 
and um, just wanted to say thank you for all the great work uh, that was done in 2023, and we're very, very excited about 2024. And that's all we have for our 2023 year at a glance. So if you have any questions, both Mr. Thompson and myself are available. Thank you for your presentation. Are there any uh, questions or? Yes, it is. Um, feedback that we want to give. Uh, Commissioner Williams. Thank you, and thank you for the excellent reports and the, um, all the exciting review and news that you shared. I just have a couple <coughs> questions, and the first one is of you, Ms. Plummer. Um, it is wonderful that the City Council uh, adopted the um, <coughs> community center facility rental application process rules and regulations. As we know from the last meeting, we did note that there needed to be uh, additional rules developed for um, renting um, areas that would be reoccurring rentals. Was that additional policy developed? And just so we know and the public knows, what does that consist of if it was? Thank you, Commissioner Williams. Um, yes, we did do that. And so the, the process to rent facility, um, there was actually, it's for clarification, it was just a small paragraph because we still need the clients to come in that first time, time to rent, review the facility. So they would follow that same process. And then there was a time frame, and it was a one year that they could not rent more than one year in advance. Um, and then... Um, that again, that's if it's not that's not working out. We always can revise it. It's a living document that would be uh, adjusted. But that was there was a paragraph added for reoccurring rentals with some stipulations, and that information will be going up on our website as well. And I can make sure to include that paragraph in our next update to the commission as well. That would be great. And uh, again, assuming an organization wanted to rent a certain place once a certain room once a week for a year or whatever, or twice a week. Um, were there special fees that were identified for those reoccurring rentals? Thank you, Commissioner Williams. Um, for the fees, so the city of Goleta, when we had um, took over the management, the council direction was to assume the existing fees. Um, the existing fee structure is not as customer friendly as your staff wants it to be. And so we have actually received permission from council to seek a uh, fee study. So we are working on that RFP as well as a fee study so that we can evaluate the existing fees and make some adjustments. Um, we were able to add a, a private resident rate. Um, uh, instead of doing a full, a full rehab of the rates, we were able to take the average between the profit and the nonprofit rate, and that became the, the private resident rate or private rate. And then um, there are... There's a multitude of fees that really need to be evaluated uh, for that facility. And so we'll be revising those as we get those recommendations. And that would go to council, but we'll be keeping the commission informed. Thank you. So we are opening the facility with the existing fees with the addition of that private rate. And then um, and we did add a court rate for the basketball court or the pickleball court if that was to be rented for a tournament or something else. Okay. okay. Um, if I may. You may. I do have a question for Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson, if uh, you would be so kind as to share kind of the Monarch Butterfly report, uh, you know, what the maximum was for last year, um, how things are looking right now, um, but how many Monarch Butterflies did come visit us? Chair and, and Commissioner Williams, off the top of my head, uh, trying to recall, but we had a high of about 26,000 at Elwood, um, and that's not just at the main viewing area. We have other sites within uh, the Elwood Mesa complex, so uh, about 90 acres of eucalyptus forest, uh, but 26,000. It's a good number um, given recent drought, but historically speaking, it's still on the lower end. Um, so a glimmer of hope, but not um, out of the woods quite yet. 
And then we have a handful of other sites like like Los Carneros. Um, I know that you personally went out uh, and assisted with one of the surveys. I believe you saw close to 100 uh, individuals there, which is um, by far the most that we've had in at least the last five years. Um, and there's still about 20,000 at Elwood. So Jeez. please go out and, and enjoy them. Um, the great thing about that is with the recent storms that we had, uh, especially compared to last year where the numbers were looking good and then we ran into the January um, 2023 storms, after those storm events, the numbers went down to functional zero. Um, but this year, um, because of the intensity of the storm, uh, we don't know exactly why yet, um, but we still have good numbers there. So there's still time to go enjoy them. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that update. As a follow-up question to that, I thought the population was dependent upon the amount of milkweed that was in the eucalyptus trees that attracted the monarchs here. Sure, I can give uh, hopefully the shortest explanation of, of that. It, it, like we, we could spend all evening talking about it. Okay. But, um, milkweed is inland and more important in the non-winter season. So that's oh, really where okay. the adult monarchs that are going to start leaving Elwood in a couple months, they're going to fly over the San Inez range, go inland, head northeasterly, okay. and they're looking for milkweed to lay their eggs and start the next generation, and it'll be about six to eight generations before they come back to Elwood next winter. Um, so while they're here, they're really looking for nectar. Oh, nectar. And so to tie this back into our agenda item, <laughs> uh, one of the big efforts that we have this coming year is to plant uh, tens of thousands of native plants that will provide nectar during the winter and early spring months. And so uh, to summarize, milkweed is not important during this life cycle during the winter months. Um, nectar is. So for those of you that are watching at home that are asking yourselves, what can we do to help monarchs? You can show up to our community weeding days, planting events, and at your own home, plant some natives that have flowers during the winter. Okay. Thank you. I was just going to add... Um, the city does have a website. If you type in, just Google, I think it's uh, Galita Monarch Grove. One of the first links will come up is a city website that has the most recent counts on it. So if you really want to go back and look historically, I think it goes back to 2015, 2016. Uh, it's helpful. Um, and it's just a really nice way of kind of, especially with uh, folks that are learning about it, to get a sense of uh, scale. Um, I think... Historically, kind of the highs were in the six figures, like 100,000-plus range. And so when Mr. Thompson said 26,000, that is by far the biggest number we've had in the last, I think, four years. Um, so anyways, um, just something might be kind of fun for uh, folks to look at. Okay. Are there any other commissioner comments to the presentation that was given? Seeing none, um, thank you for that presentation. It was very informative, and oftentimes um, you don't think about the cumulative effects of the work that staff does, but in review, it's very, very impressive. Um, I forgot to ask for, uh, are there any public comments? If there are any members of the public wishing to speak on this item, please use the raise hand icon and I can call on you shortly. And there are currently no hands raised. Okay, thank you. As this was a presentation, no vote is required and we can move on to the next item. Ms. Plummer, can you lead us in the discussion of the next item? Thank you, Chair Jenkins and members of the commission. So we have one discussion action item for you this evening, and that is uh, to select a committee member um, that would sit on a committee for a playground vendor selection. Um, so what are next steps in this process of actually getting to construction at Stowe Grove Park is to select a vendor to create the construction documents. That vendor will need to select a playground vendor 
to uh, work with them to help design that playground. Um, there will be public outreach. This is the city's first, we're full of firsts, man. This is the city's first universal playground. And there's a lot of very interested individuals um, who want to be involved in uh, selecting the types of equipment and, and so forth. So we're looking for a vendor that could help us with that. And so our process would be that we would release a request for proposals um, for vendors to submit some designs, um, probably like two different designs with the space. And then they'll submit those designs and this committee will take a look at those designs and select the ones we like. And then those that we like, we would bring into the top three or four, depending how the numbers land, bring in for interviews. And we would interview those vendors and then um, select one that we want to move forward with. And as we move forward with them, then we would look at um, creating what we want. So we're not selecting the equipment, we're selecting the vendor, and then there will be a public process to do uh, the uh, types of equipment that we wanna make sure that we have at that park. Um, right now at all of our parks, we try to do something a little bit different, so not all of our parks are the same. This one is unique because it's a universal playground and um, that's not just for individuals with physical disabilities, but also whether it's an emotional or uh, physical disabilities, we'd always think about like maybe a, a hearing or a visual impairment versus just maybe a mobility impairment. So we have a few members of the public that have been working with us and we'll continue to work with them. They're experts in this field and as well as um, public work staff to include Mr. Thompson and um, then also Parks and Recreation staff, and so uh, it's exciting time. And then to try to save costs, we will be working on trying to purchase that equipment in advance uh, so that we can save costs, and then the contractor would just do the install. And how many meetings? 37 and a half. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's just, it really, uh, Chair Jenkins, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. Um, we would have at minimum one day to look at all the submittals, but we might want a couple days to look at those submittals. Uh, we might have so many submittals, we wanna bring in some kids or some other people. Um, it'll, all, it'll, it'll all depend on how many we get. So the last time we did this, we had about nine different vendors uh, provide drawings for us. And then it was really easy to narrow that down, but we just brought in some kids and moms and let them narrow it down for us. Mm -hmm. And then we did the interviews. And so, um, and that's, we think that's the fairest way to do this. We've been using the same vendor for a, a few of our parks and um, it would be, it makes more sense for us to do this competitive process, uh, especially for such a specialty project because there are some vendors that really specialize in universal playgrounds. Okay. So we're only looking for one member so um, if we are looking at, we'll do the, the selection for the interviews and then the interviews themselves. And we, and sometimes when we select a vendor, we have to do a second interview if we really can't break that tie. And then that will be the end of it after that selection. And then we'll bring um, that person on board or that vendor on board. Mm -hmm. Is there any commissioner that is interested in Okay, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Any others? Okay. I won't bite if anyone else is yes. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's give you a chance to do it. <laughs> uh, should we do a formal motion? We do yes. need a formal motion with a second. Okay, great. Um, entertain a, a motion I move that we um, accept Commissioner Freriev as the uh, commissioner for this committee is there a second I second that any discussion um, Mr. Mendoza can you can conduct a roll call of course and I would like to remind everyone to please lock in their vote on the little screen, Commissioner Furia. Yes. Commissioner Filibosian. Well, considering she's jumping out of her seat to nominate herself, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Replicable Purinton. Yes. Commissioner Williams. Yes, and thank you. Vice Chair Walton. Yes. Chair Jenkins. Yes. Wow. Right. Who did your favor? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Okay. Um, okay. Thank you, Ms. Bonner. Thank you, and Commissioner Furia will be in touch uh, with you to let you know our, our status. Um, and that's, that's all I have for you this evening, Chair Jenkins oh, and members okay. of the commission. Okay. Um, thank you again. Mr. Mendoza, are there any members of the public who would like No, we already did that. Okay. No, we did not actually take public comment. We didn't take any public comment. Well, let's ask for public comment if there's any public comment. If there are any members of the public wishing to speak on this item, please use the raise hand icon and I can call on you shortly. And we have no hands raised. Okay. Okay. Um, are there any uh, commissioner comments? This is a chance for the commission to make a comment or share information, but cannot respond to the contents on questions because the items are not agendized. Oh, yeah. Commissioner Williams. Thank you. Just a few brief comments. First of all, I want to underscore what Mr. Valdez said earlier and thank the entire staff for a fabulous year last year, for a very exciting year in front of us, and um, really express our great appreciation as well as our, you know, understanding of the amount of work it represents and um, the amount of excellent community engagement, uh, the amount of thoughtfulness, um, the amount of anxiety that's sometimes associated with things out of control, but um, the amount of professionalism that you've exhibited throughout all of you. So thank you so much. I do want to just elaborate a smidge on what Mr. Thompson said and share with the commission and the public um, <clears throat> the discovery of the large number, <laughs> relatively, of monarchs at, um, at Lake Los Caneros and, and just share a story, which I think the commission will enjoy. Uh, my husband and I went to look at the monarchs at Elwood and uh, I assume most of you have done so already, but please go. And I was thrilled knowing that oftentimes they leave when there's storms that they're still there. Um, and we were, I was talking to people, as we're supposed to do as commissioners, uh, who were there and say, where are you from, you know, to get a sense of the people there. Were they from the area? Were they from, some were from Northern California, some were from Southern California, but a lot, of course, from the area. And I started talking with this one woman who shared that she had just seen, um, uh, she and her husband had just seen a lot of monarchs at Lake Los Caneros. I went, really? Really? Where? <laughs> and so, you know, trying to ascertain that, my husband and I then went dashing off to Lake Los Caneros. Luckily, there was also a monarch expert there, and the three oh. of us stayed in contact, and the monarch expert said, how would you like to go uh, show up at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning and count monarchs. <laughs> and so we all showed up at 7 o'clock, and we counted the monarchs, which is great fun. I recommend that uh, to all of you, and sent a report in to Mr. Thompson. But just, um, you know, the joy of filling one of our responsibilities as a commissioner and talking to people, doing community outreach, and, and the things you can discover, and then the responsiveness of uh, Mr. Thompson and others once we made that uh, robust discovery. So um, I just thought it would be fun to share that with you and look forward to Commissioner sharing some of those stories as we go forward because it's, uh, it's a great joint effort to, um, to support our uh, parks and recreation in this amazing community. It is. Commissioner Walton. Yes, I have actually more of a question, and uh, forgive me if I've been told this, I just don't remember. Uh, in regards to the gentleman, our neighbor who came up and um, you know took time out of his day to make that uh, bring that to our attention, um, what is the procedure for addressing that? I know that it's not on the agenda, so we could not ask questions or that sort of thing. But um, moving forward, like um, because he did indicate that he will be here, <laughs> um, you know this is very important to him. So how do we get it on the agenda so that we can ask questions and address that? 
Yeah, so there's a couple ways we could, uh, at the next time we have a, an agenda meeting, a pre-agenda meeting to talk about whether or not um, we would add that. Um, we can discuss some of that there in terms of what, how we've responded in the past. Um, you know, without getting into too much detail, we haven't had anyone else come and complain. So um, I think like everything, we, we would evaluate uh, what the request is and uh, consider what the appropriate action might be. But that's probably best settled to, uh, to discuss at our next agenda meeting. And uh, if we decide we want to do it, um, bring an item or not bring an item, we can discuss that there. Thank you. I also wanted to echo on Mr. Valdez's comments that um, we may have shared with the commission in the past that we do have a <clears throat> an approved capital improvement project on the five-year CIP list, and that project is um, the possible conversion of at least one tennis court at um, three different locations in Goleta at city parks that have tennis courts. Each that project has not yet been started due to staff capacity, but each of those parks, um, before we did a permanent change like that, would each receive um, a lot of neighborhood engagement. So that is a project that we have um, for Evergreen Park, Berkeley Park, and um, the Stowe Open Space. Is that what it's called? Um, Stowe Canyon Open Space. So each of those courts, we're not saying that we are converting those. Uh, we're saying that it is slated to have that neighbor and community discussion and each of those neighborhoods are very different so each one will be treated as three separate projects even though it's one project if the project moved forward it would move to uh, one court remaining as tennis courts with any improvements that the budget could afford as well as adding fencing between the two courts and converting one to permanent pickleball play which would include either two or three or three courts possibly, depending on the size. Um, so we have some preliminary numbers that we got a while ago, and uh, we are also actively looking at noise mitigation. It's um, You can open any Parks and Recreation um, publication, and you'll see that it, it is a challenge in a lot of areas. Um, at uh, the community center, I think when we went through that process, you heard from a couple neighbors. Um, we are still, we have some mitigations in place and we're still continuing to look for other mitigations. Um, the Evergreen Park um, has a great windscreen on it. Um, we've had one resident in that neighborhood come forward and then um, that's the only, oh, and then we have a, a court at Johnny Wallace Park and we have received no complaints at Johnny Wallace Park. Um, so those are our three pickleball court areas right now. The ones at Evergreen are temporary courts. Uh, they have permanent lines, but you, you would set up a, a temporary net to go out there and play. Um, so any permanent conversion would have extensive um, public outreach process. And so right now that project is an approved project to start and, and go into each of those neighborhoods. We just currently don't have staff capacity to take that on, neither myself nor Mr. Thompson and his division. So um, we also were trying to add self-locking gates so that people can't be in the courts at the end of the night and a, a few other improvements that would help our maintenance um, team. So That's just really to let you know helpful. that those are those are coming up. Okay, and, and just one last question. In general, is the uh, volume of a tennis court as loud or louder than a pickleball or is a pickleball court definitely louder than a tennis court? A tennis ball <laughs> is has a softer uh, surface to it. A pickleball is um, a hard plastic. As well, the paddle to a tennis ball is a meshed plastic. Mm -hmm. The pickleball paddle is um, a different material, but it's a solid material. So it is it is louder. And when we attended the last conference last year, when we went into the expo, we just went up and down every aisle looking for anybody that had something brand new in pickleball, and there was nothing out there. So it's either something's like right on the cusp, but I, I just read a pickleball article that actually indicated that the pickleball industry is really focusing on how they can manipulate the paddles and the balls and the court surfacing. So um, I don't know if they've given up on something <laughs> to put on the fencing or something, but we're um, we're still looking into it and we're uh, we're open to lots of different ideas and suggestions. and And we do take every concern seriously and and look at it from all different angles. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other commissioner? comments or questions? Chair uh, Jenkins, um, I just wanted to add, and I apologize, um, but 
the next meeting we have in March, we will be voting on our chair and vice chair. So I wanted to share with the commission members now to give you time to think about it instead of just getting your packet and only having a few days. So that is an item uh, that is on our March agenda. Okay. Thank you. So seeing no other comments, um, our next Park and Recreation Commission meeting is uh, March the 13th at 6 here at the City Hall. Entertain a motion to adjourn. I move to adjourn. I'll second the motion. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Meeting adjourned. Thank you. Stay.